You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today on our show, I'm talking with Sharon Butler. Sharon, thanks so much for being with me today. Brainerd, it's my pleasure. I'm excited to be part of your archive project. Well, I'm excited as well. And uh, we're talking at, at about noon on, on uh, January 27th in 2022. And um, I'm always wondering how, how the pandemic, uh, you, you exhibited during the pandemic, which we'll talk about in, in, in your paintings. But how was it working during the pandemic? You also have, of course, uh, a well-known magazine, Two Coats of Paint. Uh, how was it um, yeah, working in your studio in the pandemic? I think the pandemic gave not just me, but really everybody in New York, um, I, I don't want to say an excuse, but a reason to just sort of rethink all of our assumptions about the way that we live, you know, and just to think more creatively about, about things. And, you know, I had always taken the subway to the studio, for instance, and then I began riding my bike. And it was a, it opened up a completely different world. You know, I started working on a, 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 a trade um, project where I would trade paintings, you know, make paintings to trade with other artists for their work and it was all done through the mail and so that was interesting. And then, you know, two coats of paint. I, there weren't that many um, exhibitions open so, you know, that sort of was on hold a little bit. But there was really no pressure to do anything and so you could just take long walks in the park and look at everybody out bird watching and suddenly everyone was using public spaces in really interesting ways you know big exercise classes you'd see on in riverside park and um so i for me i I was particularly lucky because i don't have kids at home that i had to homeschool and i didn't have uh, you know i'm used to working by myself so it wasn't as though i was particularly lonely um no, I, I, the pandemic went well. I got a lot of paintings done, and then in last January had the show at Theodore Art, um, which was pre, it was post-election, but pre-vaccination. So that was sort of an interesting time. So I guess that well, was my pandemic about, experience. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. And I, I want to talk about that show, and, and also the, the trade project, though, sounds really interesting. How did that come about? You were through the mail, trading canvases, paintings, work on paper. How did that start? As I, I, I love the idea of that. I was, you know, I had been making uh, for about four years these um, drawings in a phone app and then posting them on Instagram each day. And I was using those drawings as the basis um, to make larger paintings. I mean, not originally, but then ultimately they became the basis for larger for paintings. And so um, I started, I, I don't even remember why I had this idea, but I, well, it was really about, you know, choosing which drawings to make um, paintings from. And so I, I, the trade project, I had other artists pick the drawing that they wanted me to make the painting from. And then um, I would make the painting. They were 12 by 12 inch squares. I would make the painting and then trade for a piece of their work. So the only you know, thing was, was that they had to take the painting regardless of how it came out. So it was kind of, you know, 
the whole idea for me that, it, that was interesting was translating these small digital images into paint. And so, uh, you know, I had a few that I had to keep re redoing because I wasn't happy with them. Um, but it, it was a good project. I think I made about, I don't know, 10. And then I liked the format so much I just kept making more. And, and so how did that work with the people that, that you were trading with? You, you had a format that they can pick something that was a, um, kind of a digital image and, and turn it into a, a work on canvas that was then shipped to them. And how did you pick their art that was um, in, a, in, a, in a different way? Or you're just looking at their website? Or how did that work? Well, you know, some of them, I, we had started it before the lockdown. And so I was able to go to their studios and pick a piece. You know, for, I just picked something that was pre-existing rather than something that was made specifically for me. And, um, but the actual work didn't really take place until, you know, the pandemic. Mm. I love that because I think it's important that, that artists collect each other's work, but it uh, seems that that's not often done. You know, I, I don't know if you had done that before in the past, but to, but to actively do that is, is such a nice exchange because it not only supports one another and it's, there's something very generous about that, but it's also about collecting, right? You built a collection. I mean, having 10 images of other people more or less is, is a collection, right? Right. I think that, you know, I think most artists have art collections. And, um, you know, so I was, uh, I, I was happy to be in other people, have my work in other people's collection. And then I was also happy to have their work in mine. Mm, I like that. And so let's talk about the show. That show that you mentioned was in kind of an in-between place at Theodore Art uh, last January in Bushwick. Uh, as you say, that was kind of, um, yeah, pre-vaccination, but during the pandemic. Uh, I, I want to talk about the specific work in that show. But also that period of time, now that we look back on it, seems you know, almost like a dream, like something that it's hard to imagine. And there's, there's all these kind of elements that come along with the pandemic. How, how was that? What was the kind of vibe of that show? Because this was uh, still a pandemic show. Um, but well, you know, we were, we were very optimistic because um, we were just incredibly hopeful you know, that there would be a, a peaceful transition of power. Um, and the show opened on January, I, think, I want to say January 15th. And so the inauguration was on January 20th. But before, as we were hanging the show, of course, there was the um, insurrection. And um, I don't know, it was just kind of a wild time. But it was just, I had to be hopeful that the Trump years were over. And so I wanted to call it Morning in America because I just felt this tremendous sense of relief after the election, after Biden was announced as the winner of the election. It just seemed like suddenly, you know, the Titanic, I shouldn't say the Titanic because that's, that makes it sound like we're going to uh, hit the iceberg, but, um, you know, the ship turned and suddenly we were steering, it seemed like we were steering in a, in a, in a better direction. And then shortly thereafter, you know, the vaccines came out and so things have improved but you know so that title morning in america which of course is not morning in terms of grieving it's morning as in you know good morning a.m um 
that reflected the kind of uh, optimism that you were still holding on to post-insurrection? That, that, that title came after that, that event, even though you were hanging during that event, or was that already Well, the, the, title, the title came before the event, and it was sort of a play on, you know, Reagan's Morning in America, you know, a new day for the country. But then also, um, you know, I had been making these um, morning drawings for four years. And so, and all the paintings were based on those drawings. So it was a little bit about that as well. Okay, so let's jump into that. The, the work in the show, um, it was, there, was the work in the show all based on, on the drawings or you're talking about the, the, the other work that you were exchanging? Let's talk just about the work at, at Theodore Art in the, in the show that we're talking about. Yeah, they were all based on the drawings. When I first started making the drawings, you know, the first series of paintings I made of the drawings was based on the, the language and their geometric um, drawings. They're, you know, all geometric shapes, square, circle, um, diamonds, and so forth. And so they have all geometric shapes. And um, the first, so the first series of paintings were just using the visual language that I had developed in the drawings. And then the second series uh, of paintings were actually based on specific drawings. And the ones that were in the show were, it was my second show of paintings based on specific drawings. And so some of the drawings, you know, it's, it, the drawings were made, you know, sort of in a period of deep anxiety. And so it was a time when I felt tethered to my phone anyway, checking Twitter, and I started drawing on the phone because it seemed, you know, a more productive way to spend time. And um, so the, the drawings, um, you know, were made in the moment. They, if you just glance at them, they're all posted on Instagram. If you just glance at them, they look like real drawings. And people would often ask me, you know, what are, what are the materials here? Where can I see them? And, you know, they were really made to be seen on the phone. And, uh, you know, for many reasons, as I just said, but also one of the reasons was when I go to openings because of two coats of paint, people will often want to show me their work on their phone, on the phone. And as you know, it's hard to tell. You, you don't know what you're looking at because the image is so small. And I, I like the idea of making something that was meant to be seen on the phone. And um, so there was that as well. So um, then this, after I'm, and then I made a, this first series of drawings or paintings that I made based on the phone drawings were, you know, specific dates that were, uh, had personal importance to me. And then the second series, I started thinking about, you know, sort of thinking, looking more outward. And I was looking at once you post things on Instagram, you know, some of them were very popular and some of them weren't. And I took the ones that were the most popular on Instagram and I made a series of paintings from those. And the, but the ones that were at theater art, many of them were based on, you know, I would go back, I, was, I remember listening to the Mueller report, Mueller hearings um, while I was in the studio. And, um, you know, they would mention dates that important things happened. You know, the, the date that um, there was a meeting in the Seychelles and, uh, with Eric Prince and other people. So I started looking at the, thinking about those dates and looking at 
those dates in my drawings to see what the drawing was that I made on the dates that these nefarious things were, were happening. And um, it was just sort of a, a way of connecting with, connecting my personal story with history. And I started making the paintings that were based on those dates. Um, and then um, that's just continued. I'm, I'm now working on a series of um, paintings that were that are sequential. Twelve days in, in July of uh, 2019, they're based on those drawings. Because what I found was that when you just pick, say, the most popular ones, and it might be one from 2016, one from 2017, you know, they're aesthetically they're not really related. And so I was curious, you know, what it would look like if I made a series of paintings that were based on, you know, days in a row. And so that's the series I'm working on now. It's called 12 Days in July. Oh, and I have to talk more about 12 Days in July, too, um, to, to, you know, revisit these drawings, though, because you said so many interesting things there, this kind of relationship to the phone that, that we all have and the changing relationship during the pandemic to the phone and how you, on Instagram you're, you're making drawings with the app. And, and when I look at your Instagram, I, I can't tell what's made with an app and what's, and what's drawn. Some things are clearly, like, uh, taped to the wall, and that, that looks like you've drawn on that, right? This is this is a work on paper that's that's uh, that's incomplete or complete. But um, but to me, it's hard to tell what's as as, as you were alluding to what's you know um, uh, what's a drawing and what's done on on the app. So 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 in this app, are you because these look so organic while you're while you're doing a lot of organic shapes and some of them do look kind of sort of graphic but most look like your hand is in them they have an organic mm -hmm. feel um that's something that can happen with the app you're creating images that look like it has kind of your touch in it yeah i mean that's the thing about working on the phone that the 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 trick is to create the illusion that it was made by hand. And now in the series of paintings, the trick is to create the illusion that they're, that they're digital. You know, because ultimately, the paintings that I'm making now are going to be seen on Instagram. And so it kind of completes this whole weird, mysterious translation back and forth between the analog and the digital. But you know the earlier ones were, were that I made on the phone and then posted on Instagram. I often used the um, filters of Instagram to make the images look like photographs of drawings, and so that's what you you'll see in the you know the original digital images that were called Good Morning drawings. I love that complete circle, right? Because Instagram is this kind of dominant medium to share work, and yet it's so constricting in a way in, in terms of what you can show. And I, and I, I love the kind of things you post, which you know, images of the studio and so many things. But it it, it gives people a window into your your studio. But it is also this um, this medium that we that we seem to have to translate work through. And you said one other thing that. Um, speaks to your role as a as as an editor and publisher, which is you know people come up to you, you know, Sharon Butler, you you publish two quotes, so they're like, can you check out my work on the phone, <laughs> right? Um, that's a whole phenomenon in itself, right? You have uh, 
a type of power in the art world because of that artists are are drawn to and want to build relationships with people who might review their work and 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 how do you see their work there it is on a phone so um to talk about that for a little bit how how do you do that? Do you feel like you can look at somebody's phone and say, ah, yeah, that's kind of interesting. Let's keep in touch. Or you must be encounter that so many times. How do, you, how do you kind of negotiate that and how do you digest that? Well, one of the nice things about living in New York is that you get to see a lot of art in person, you know, and even now. Um, you know, the galleries are all open. Museums are open despite sort of the fact that we have fewer social activities, you know, we, we can still do those things. And so I do get to see a lot of paintings in person, and it's so important because for me, the surface of the painting and the scale and just the physical objectness of it are all really important to understanding what it is. That said, once I've seen somebody's work in person, I feel I can get an understanding of it from looking at their Instagram you know, you could see if somebody's making a move and doing something new, and I'm always excited to see stuff like that. Um, but, you know, for people I don't know, I really can't get a sense. For people whose work I've never seen in person, I really can't get a sense of what it's like on the phone. I mean, I think that's why installation images are so important, not just, you know, shots of the work. Like, I really, when people ask me about you know, best practices for putting things on Instagram. I always like to see the work in some sort of environment. It seems really important to me. Yeah, absolutely, because that gives you a sense of um, of scale, of um, essentially, is, is, is that why? I mean, otherwise we have no sense of scale, um, basically, right? We see an image, we don't know whether it's four by four feet or four by four inches. Well, it's scale, but it's also you get to see the see it as an object in an environment, even if it's just a painting. You know, it's I don't know. It makes a difference to me to be able to see it. Maybe there's a chair in the foreground or something, so you get a a sense of scale from different objects in the room. Yeah, and um, and so now you're working on uh, twelve days in July. Uh, that's that's a serious and that's a that's a very specific time frame. Can you tell me a little bit about that title and that series? Well, first of all, let me say that my paintings are always about you know this combination and tension between sort of the precision of the the geometric form and the I don't know the imperfection of the the handmade you know whether it's a drawing or a painting. Um, and, and, you know, so there's always this tension. And I felt that the paintings were, and I don't know if you're familiar with my earlier work, but they were much less precise and much less geometric. And they were much, you know, they were, weren't traditional objects. They were often unstretched and just sort of loosely hanging on the wall. And um, now I've, I've gone back to, stretched linen, you know, oil primed, traditional media, linseed oil medium. And um, I've moved in the direction of, I seem to increasingly be moving in the direction of more structure, more geometry. And, but within that, the sense of touch is still really important. 
And so these new paintings are all gridded. They're gridded images. They're based on the geometric drawings from the Instagram, but then they start with a one-inch grid on the canvas. I, I haven't really photographed them, so I, that's the best I could do to explain them to you. Um, but instead of moving in a direction of having the forms more going towards the imperfect handmade, they're now heading more towards the precise geometric and you know, within that, trying to find that sweet spot between the handmade and the per precise geometry. I like that. That's clear. And, and it also seems to be, um, and, and this is a stretch for me, but it, it seems to be um, that, that same dialogue a bit with Instagram, with the phone, with I mean, the evolution of your work, as you're saying, also, your, your, your early work in moving towards this, this kind of evolved form, um, but also that, it, that it, it still has a, a type of dialogue with, with Instagram and digital imagery and, and phones. Or, I mean, I mean, stop me if I'm reaching there, but, but is, is no, that... No, it's true, it's true. Yeah. And the other thing is, is that um, I've been thinking a lot about... Uh, you know, the future. Uh, you know, I've always thought a lot about the future. Um, and, you know, I've always uh, wondered, I always ask the question, you know, what's going to happen? And, of course, it's something you can never know. And there's something about climate change and the UN Climate Report that really struck me. It's like, oh, shit, you know, what, what is going to happen? And, it's, it, and it may happen within my lifetime, you know, I... I think it probably something big is going to happen. And um, then you start to think, well, you know, you start to wonder about the whole art project. Like, what's the point of it all? But then on the other hand, that's a tremendous freedom. And, uh, you know, at first I started to think, well, what kind of art is going to survive something like this? And you start thinking of things like Stonehenge and, you know, Ellsworth Kelly's um, Austin, you know, have you seen that, that um, chapel he made down at the University of Texas in Austin? Yes, and yes, it's this, yes. it looks like this Roman, uh, Romanesque um, uh, stone church. And, and then he, the paintings that are inside are not actually paintings, they're actually carved in stone. Anyway, I just figured, eh, uh, who cares? Uh, I finally realized, you know, you can't, <laughs> excuse me, you can't predict and I'm going to make what I make. But the grid, interestingly, alludes to both mosaic from past eras. You know, like, I, I might get this wrong, but I want to say Pompeii, but certainly the subway tunnels. And I'm, I go through the um, Elizabeth Murray installation all the time. And so mosaics, but then also, you know, this digital stuff. And what's going to... And so they're sort of funny in thinking what's going to last, and then ultimately they're paintings. So the futility is, is that they're not going to last. They're comments on what's going to last, but, you know, they're ephemeral comments. I like that. Um, it's so nice that you, you said that because that's such a, um, such a profound question and, and, and thought, really. I want to ask you one more question, which is what are you reading at the moment? 
Well, you're not going to be surprised to learn that I read a lot of disaster fiction. Um, I call it DiFi, and I started reading it. I don't know. I want to say, you know, during the pandemic and during lockdown, I would ride my bike from the Upper West Side down to Dumbo, where my studio is, and the streets were just absolutely empty. And it was really like some kind of apocalypse had happened. And I started reading, um, you know, first Kim Stanley Robinson's 2140, which is a, you know, he's a scientist, but also, you know, a fiction writer. And so his science is very accurate. And in this book, you know, Manhattan becomes like Venice, where the streets are canals and everybody's living on the top floor of the high-rise buildings and so forth. And then I kind of, you know, wound my way through Octavia Butler and um, my most recent book, well, what I'm reading now, I often read more than one at a time because I get them at the library and I use their e-book service so I can have, you know, several on my tablet at once. But I'm I'm listening to um, Margaret Atwood's um, book, The Year of the Flood, which I believe was written in, I'm not sure what year that was written. It's part of a trilogy. I think it was, I think it was 2009. And then um, also another book that I recently read that I really enjoyed was Leave the World Behind by Ruman Allen, and that was in 2020. And in Ruman's book, the, something bad happens, but you don't know what it is. And the, you see how the people respond to the, their changing circumstances, and yet they never quite understand what's happening. And they're still thinking about, you know, getting back to their meeting on Monday morning, or, you know, and it was this sort of futility uh, and this inability of humans to understand the nature of what lies ahead. And, and I think that's why I, why I read these books just to to sort of think about how how we are how humanity is going to respond to these challenges because we can't even decide you know whether to um, take down uh, statues and so forth right and, and but these issues are are just so big so that's that's where my interest lies these days Sharon, I want to thank you so much for talking with me today. It's really been a pleasure, and I, and I wish you well with your, your work and, and Blagazine, of course, uh, Two Coats of Paint. Thank you so much. Thanks, Brainerd. Pleasure has been all mine. You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. <laughs>